0: deceptions podcast small wonders with laurel moffett A few months ago, I was walking through the city on a workday. It was the middle of the day and people were streaming out of the buildings near Martin Place in the daily hunt for lunch. Lunchtime in the city looks a bit like a waterhole on a savannah. There are usually small packs of lawyers and government workers roaming, shoppers lumbering past, arms heavy with bags, a barrister or two dotted on the concrete plain, hunting alone and a mother with a toddler in a stroller calling for something to eat. That day, we were all searching for food, at the very least, a piece of bread. The one I had in mind came with some ham and cheese, a slice of tomato, preferably with some seeded mustard. And on a corner near Angel Place, there was a man standing with a hand-painted cardboard sign calling out the words on it to anyone who would listen. We'll work for food. We'll work for food. None of us stopped. We were all too busy looking for our own food, for our own daily bread. Outdoor tables began to fill, and queues snaked out of cafes. The phrase daily bread is a familiar one. It's now a well-worn idiom, meaning the things we need to sustain life and living. What we need each day to eat, live, get by. Its origins are from the Lord's Prayer, a prayer that Jesus includes in his Sermon on the Mount. Specifically from the line, Give us today our daily bread. The idea of daily bread is simple, but the everyday reality of providing for ourselves and those in our care usually feels far more complex, as complex as the tangle of actions necessary to get a grain of wheat from the field to our meal. It's a struggle that is timeless and universal. Bread is everywhere. It exists in some form in every human culture and diet and has done so for tens of thousands of years. It was one of the earliest foods prepared by heat. It was out of an interest in this very simple, very common, very ubiquitous stuff of life that a man named John Ashton wrote his History of Bread in 1904. He writes, It seems extraordinary, but it is nevertheless a fact that up to this present time, There has not been written, in the English language, a history of bread, although it is called the staff of life and really is a large staple of food. There have been small brochures on the subject and large volumes on the chemistry of bread, its making and baking, and long controversies as to the merits of whole meal and other kindred questions, but no history. It is to remedy this that I have written this book in which I have endeavored to trace bread from prehistoric to modern times. Ashton's book outlines the making of bread through the millennia and across continents, describing the methods and tools to do so. No description of bread making, no matter what time it is from, is simple. Each one required some measure of toil and ingenuity, the use of tools and skill, and the manipulation of temperature to create a loaf of bread. Much work goes into the making of this food staple. I can hear the cry from Angel Place on every page of Ashton's book as a promise. We'll work for food. Today, wheat is the most widely grown cereal in the world. Sharp changes to its price are reported on the front pages of newspapers. Bread is consumed by 80% of the world's population. And according to Bread Market Insights, it's not just dough that rises. Bread sales and intake are also rising. In the middle of the war between Russia and Ukraine, the state of its wheat exports are worried over deals are made to keep ports on the black sea open that then fall through sending the wheat via rail and road there is too much rain or not enough there are droughts and floods futures in wheat are traded ships are tracked across the globe prices rise and fall and are meticulously counted so that you can click on a spreadsheet of charts noting the planted and harvested acreage of wheat, its production, yield, and price per bushel since 1866. Wheat is politics. Wheat is international relations. Wheat is money. The daily making of bread is far from simple. It is, instead, quite globally, financially, and politically complicated. The harder it is to make or come by that daily bread, and the more expensive that literal bread becomes, and the harder it is to make the proverbial dough for the family breadwinners to bring home the bacon, as it were, you can choose whichever food idiom you like, the more tenuous life begins to feel. So much so that a man might wake one day and write some words on a sign and summon enough courage to stand on a busy street corner and call out those words up and down the street. The almost primal need for accessible daily bread has led some historians to look back through history and link the rising cost of bread to the escalation of political unrest. Whether it's the Flower War in 1775 France or the bread riots in 1863 Richmond, Virginia, or the Egyptian bread riots of 1977, when the price of bread shoots up in a politically unsteady environment, so do tensions. And if the price of bread becomes so high as to become unaffordable, placing this basic foodstuff out of reach of many, if not most, a song for supper can become a shout, and then, eventually, may come to blows. In the context of so much unrest around the globe, and in light of the strange changes in the weather around us, the rise in temperature, the droughts, the floods, we watch skies with worried eyes, and we watch the ground for signs of life. We watch the deep sea ports and the paths of trade down roads and rails. We watch the markets and track the numbers up and down we do our best to guess the future. With all that watching, all that worry, our eyes must be very tired. It's in the context of this struggle, our long history of bread and the making of it, that the simplicity of Jesus's provision of actual bread and his radical redefining of its meaning, cuts through all our cycles of the search for our own sustenance and acquisition of it. Bread is an important part of a chapter in John's biography of Jesus. In fact, the whole chapter is basically about bread. In this part of the story of Jesus's life, a crowd has followed him because of how he had healed people. And then they keep following him because he fed them using very unlikely fare, a couple of fish and five small loaves of bread. A boy's little lunch somehow becomes more than enough to feed thousands and thousands of hungry people who then show up the next day at his side. The implication is for another free lunch. In case we get stuck on the miracle of how Jesus turned a tiny lunch into an all-you-can-eat bread-and-fish buffet, Jesus explains the event, as well as another miraculous bread-making event from Israel's past, the manna that fell in the desert each day, every day, for decades, the original daily bread. Jesus tells them not to fixate on literal bread or working for their own food at the expense of seeing him for who he is. He tells them, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For in him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent and then he says something that makes it very very simple as simple as bread I am the bread of life whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty and he says later I am the living bread that came down from heaven whoever eats this bread will live forever This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world." Some of his disciples are quick to spot the difficulty. This is hard teaching, who can accept it? The teaching that to believe in him is the best food to work for, the only food that will sustain our lives past the end of every day and into eternity. It is hard, hard to understand, hard to accept, hard to believe. That's why even the understanding, the acceptance, is also a free gift. I think the poet Malcolm Geit's poem, Bread of Life, would be pretty perfect to read in this moment. Where to get bread? An ever-pressing question that trembles on the lips of anxious mothers. Bread for their families. Bread for all these others. A whole world on the margin of exhaustion. And where that hunger has been satisfied. Where to get bread. The question still returns. In our abundance, something starves and yearns. We crave fulfillment, crave and are denied. And then comes one who speaks into our needs, who opens out the secret hopes we cherish, whose presence calls our hidden hearts to flourish, whose words unfold in us like living seeds. Come to me, broken, hungry, incomplete. I am the bread of life. Break me and eat. We'll work for food. Oh, without a doubt, we will. The question is, which food will we work for? The one where we work and hunt and scavenge and scrounge around for whatever crusts we can find? Or for the one who is given to us, the one sent by God, the true bread of life, the only daily bread we will ever need? conceptions podcast